0: Good morning. It's uh, truly my privilege that I can come and preach. Um, Pastor Brian says he misses. us, I miss him. <laughs> it's, uh, it's preaching uh, gives me a lot of thankfulness for Brian and Corey and other men that preach because uh, I don't preach like them every Sunday, so every time I preach, it truly really, uh, gives me a lot of, to be thankful to them, uh, because I know and I feel the the weight of uh, preaching the, the Word of God. Uh, please open your Bible to Colossians chapter 2, Colossians chapter 2. Even though I don't preach often, uh, regularly, but uh, uh, every time I've been preaching lately, I've been preaching from Colossians. Last time I preached, uh, finishing uh, Colossians chapter 1, and today uh, we're going to be in Colossians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those uh, Laodicea. And for all who have not seen my face to face, that their hearts may be encouraged, be knit together in love, to reach all the riches of full assurance, of understanding, and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Please pray with me, dear Lord heavenly father you you know me lord and you know each each child each person here in this room and each person who's listening maybe online or who will listen later you truly know each of us lord i ask you lord that what is going to be preach and teach today that honors you and gives glory to you and and helps your church. Is is that my purpose for this morning that your church, your elected, your your children who who you send your son to die for them, I ask you Lord that that through the preaching of today, they can be blessed, Lord. But I also pray to you that if there's someone here, Lord, that does not know you and don't have a relationship with you or is questioning if he or she has a relationship with you, that you will confirm, Lord, that you give them assurance. Thank you, and we pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. So, uh, I, I work in restaurants for, for many years. And I remember that uh, when you work in restaurants, uh, you had to clock in every time you get there. They give you a number. And I used to be a cook, cooking for many different restaurants. And you clock in so they can record you hours and they know how much uh, they're going to pay you. And usually in restaurants, they they always, uh, the manager, whoever's in charge, they always look at h- how many hours you have. Uh, if you're getting close to 40 hours, they'll call you, send you home, not let you work, because they don't want to pay over time. So they're, they're always looking at, okay, you can only work three hours today, you can only work eight hours today, and... They would not allow you to do overtime because then you get paid more or they pay you more. So I remember one time uh, I was working at the end of the week and counting my hours myself, and I'm like, wow, they're not sending me home. I was really happy. I'm like, beginning at 10 a.m., is overtime. I'm making money. And I was working, you know, 2, 3, 5, 5 p.m. came. I'm like, all that time was overtime. And then the manager didn't send me home. I wanted to stay. Usually you want to leave, but I wanted to stay. I'm getting paid very well. You know? So I left thinking my check is going to be huge. I'm going to have a lot of money. They didn't notice it. So you know the check comes later and I look at it and I'm like, what? 38 hours? And I go with the manager, very angry. What happened? I thought I did like 10 hours overtime. No. I'm like, yes. He's like, no, look. Here's the record. You never clock in. You never clock in. I'm like, what? Can you fix it? No. Really? Well, you need to be careful. What? You need to be careful. That's all he, I got. I, I was so impressed, so angry, and it, don't, it didn't matter how much I worked. It really didn't didn't matter how much I worked. In my mind, I was like, I'm going to have a really good check. I'm rich. But in reality, I was broke and poor. (laughs) (laughs) So today, here, reading from the Colossians, we're going to learn that the Apostle Paul mentions riches, treasures. And he tells them that by loving your brothers and sisters, you're going to find riches. And treasures and wisdom and knowledge. And the only way you can reach there, and the only way you can have riches, knowledge, wisdom, treasures, is in Christ. So, just like my funny story that I didn't clock in, that was the key. I didn't clock in, so there's no money for you. Here, the Apostle Paul says, All the riches, treasures, understanding, wisdom, you find them in Christ. That's the key. So today, don't matter what you are doing, how hard you are working, how how much you're passionate about something, how much you study, how much you effort yourself, if you are not in Christ, everything is in vain. You're wasting your time. This life has no meaning, and you're going to be just like me, maybe angry, disappointed, and you're going to find out at the end of the day, when you're about to receive a reward, you're going to find out that there's no reward for you, because you miss the key. You miss what is really important, and that is Christ. So let me remind you what we have in Colossians? Colossians, we have Paul who is in prison. He is writing to the Colossians from prison. And during he when he's in prison, he receives a visitor, another pastor, Epaphras. Epaphras arrives and gives a, a record, he gives a, a, a Tells Paul what's going on on Colossians and the other churches around Colossians. He gives the, he gives Paul a report about the church. The report is good. There's faithful uh, believers. They're they're maturing in faith, but there are also problems. And some of the problems, if you remember, are false teachings. Uh, they're trying to influence the church. They're telling the church that Christ is not sufficient. That they need Christ plus works, Christ, plus something mystical, Christ, plus other, other. And Paul, beginning on chapter 1, rather than beginning and saying, and proving that's Rome, he begins with the foundation, which is Christ. He describes Christ. He gives them the gospel. He confirms Epaphras being a faithful minister. Paul, so, Paul also ends... The chapter 1, describing his own ministry, describing his own work, how he works and suffers and toil and struggle. And he receives afflictions and, and he suffers because of the church, because he loves the church. So beginning on chapter 2, we continue there. We continue with Paul describing his ministry. And we begin to see how Paul says, For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you. So here, the Apostle Paul continues the same thought on chapter 1, at the end of chapter 1, where he's describing, he's describing his ministry, and he describes it as a struggle. He said, It's a great struggle. What kind of struggle? What, what is this great struggle? And because he says that they need to be united we can come to the conclusion that maybe the struggle is that they lack unity. We also know by other letters, uh, Philemon, that he sends a slave that is a runaway and he sends it to, uh, to his owner and he, he sends in that letter to accept him as a brother in Christ. So we know that there's difference in the church from a slave and an owner. But Paul Writes through the letters that we are all the same in the eyes of God. And so the struggle he's referring to is the struggle of division in the church. Uh, there's no unity in the church. And he describes that as a great struggle because there's uh, people who think they're different. Now we also see that Paul says that he wants them to know his struggle. Paul wants them to know that he's struggling, that he's having this affliction. And the reason that he wants them to know that he's going through this struggle is because he says that this is going to encourage their heart, that this is going to put them together in love. And if they're in love, then they're going to reach the riches and treasures and understanding and knowledge that is in Christ So if they know how much the Apostle Paul is struggling, the Apostle Paul is expecting them some results to change, to be transformed. And in reality, Paul is describing his ministry because he's showing himself as an example. He's showing himself like See, I work hard, I struggle for you, you should do the same for your brothers and sisters, you should love them too. Now, the Apostle Paul is a great example, a good example, but there's a greater example, and that is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. See, we we should love others, we should have love for our brothers and sisters, and even to our enemies, because our greater example is not just Paul, but the Lord himself. See, our Lord Jesus Christ saved us when we were still sinners. Romans chapter 5, verse 8, But God demonstrated his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So the Apostle Paul is using his own example to tell the church, Love each other, see how much I suffer, and I love you. Do the same for others. But the greater example is our Lord, that he died for sinners. He didn't die when you were already saved. He died to save you. It's easy to love those who deserve your love. Anybody can show love to people who is nice to you. But to show love to people that don't deserve love, it takes the power of the Holy Spirit. And only through Christ and to looking at his example, that's how we can love those that don't deserve our love. And Paul says, if you do that between you brothers and sisters, you're going to reach wisdom and knowledge and understanding, real riches and treasures. So why is the Apostle Paul willing to suffer for them? Because in Second Timothy, he also tells Timothy, Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 8 and verse 10, he says, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Why does he suffer for the church of Colossians? Because he loves them. He, he, he says he endures everything for the sake of the elect. Always an example of a good leader, a good pastor, a good a good religious leader that is the example for the church. See God also loves those like we see in romans five eight loves that deserve not no love, deserve not goodness, but still God show his mercy and love. please go to the find the book of Hosea. Hosea chapter 11, and I'm going to give you time to find it because I know it's a small book, minor prophets, so I won't read until you find it. Hosea chapter 11, we see a clear example here of God showing his love to a nation that deserves not love, that even rejects the love of God. Hosea, chapter 11, verse 1. When Israel was a child, I loved him. And out of Egypt I called my son. The more they were called, the more they went away. They kept sacrificing to the bells and burning offerings to idols. Yet I was I who taught Ephraim to walk. It took, I took them up by their arms, but they did not know that I healed them. I led them with curse of kindness with the bends of love and I became to them as one who is the yoke of their jaws, and bent down to them and fed them here we have a clear description of God God being merciful and loving to a nation that don't deserve to be loved and this and, th- and that is the gospel. That is the gospel that God sent His only Son and say, "To save sinners who don't deserve His grace, but by grace He gave it to us." So what is, what is the purpose of Paul describing him, his ministry? What is the purpose of Paul saying how much he suffered, how much he, he toiled and works for the church? What's the purpose? The purpose is not just for him to say, I suffer, poor me, look at me. Of course that's not his purpose. His purpose in sharing and describing his ministry to them is because he desires an outcome. He desires a result. He desires for them to be transformed, to copy him, like he copy, imitates Christ. So that's my second point. He desires an outcome. He desires that based on the connection that Paul makes between his ministry and them, that even though he doesn't have seen them face to face, but they're connected. They're connected because they have in common the faith in Christ. They're been, they are faithful Christians. Just like our brother uh, Padios prayed for Ukraine and Belarus and And everything that is happening there, most of us haven't seen their faces. We probably don't picture or imagine how they look like, who they are. But it still breaks our heart because they are our brothers and sisters in Christ. So here, the Apostle Paul does the same thing. He says, I I haven't seen your face. I haven't been there personally with you. But I love you, and I work hard, and I I told you and I I sacrifice for you. I I offer my prayers for you. And that's why he says to them that they must love each other, to knit and love together in love. And by loving each other, they can reach and taste true riches, understanding, wisdom and knowledge. Paul mentions Riches, understanding, knowledge, wisdom, mystery, and treasures. See, this is what the false teaching, the false teachers that came to Colossians, this is what they're promoting. Riches, knowledge, wisdom, mystery, treasures. See, those false prophets don't sound too different than today, right? They offer almost the same thing. Riches, wisdom, knowledge, mystical stuff, treasures. And the the Apostle Paul mentions these things. You can reach and have these things. You can have riches, understanding, and knowledge. You can have treasures. But all those things that he mentions, they are in Christ. In Christ. You cannot have Riches, knowledge, and wisdom apart from Christ. And that was the false teaching. That you can have riches and knowledge without Christ. Now, the Apostle Paul has knowledge about riches, about treasures. If you look on Philippians chapter 3, verse 8. More than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ, Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them mere rubbish, so that I may gain Christ. So the Apostle Paul, and his testimony, can say, I know about riches, I know about wealth, and I count them all as rubbish, as trash, garbage. See, there's a lot of young people here. And when I was young, my mind was money, money, power, money. I wanted to be the president of Mexico. I know, right? (laughs) (laughs) And I don't know you young people. But in your mind, probably church or Christ is not that important. If you're honest to yourself, probably you're not so excited to be here. But let me tell you, you can work hard, you can invest your time, you can invest your strength, your wisdom, but if it's not in Christ, it's going to be a waste of your time, strength, and wisdom. You must be in Christ, or everything else is in vain. See, the Bible gives us many, many stories to describe the danger in trusting the wrong riches. The danger of trusting the wrong riches. One example is Naaman. If you remember Naaman, leprous, a leprous man. But when he heard that he could be cured, he made a plan and he said, I must go there. He plans a trip to go to Israel so he can be cured from his leprosy. And part of the preparation for his trip is what he does, he brings silver and gold. Because that's how that's how you get healed. You bring silver and gold. So he goes, makes the trip. And the Bible tells in 2 King chapter 5, verse 5: So he went taking with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold. And ten changes of clothing. I don't know how much that is, but it sounds like a lot for them. But to Naaman's surprise, Elisha, the man of God, is not interested in his silver and gold. But guess what? Someone is. Someone is interested in that silver and gold. I don't know how to pronounce it. He, the servant of Elisha, he was sure interested in that silver and gold, and we know what happened. He he received silver and gold. He get it, but he also gets leprosy. There's another example in the Bible. Lot, Lot, when he when he and Abraham, they're so wealthy. They had so much. Their 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 property has grown and. And they, they cannot be so close together. They need to separate. Lot and Abraham. So Lot. The Bible tells. In Genesis 13.10. That Lot lifts off his eyes. And he sees the valley. And he sees that there's water. And there's a garden. And and looking at his eyes. Through that direction. It looks like that he's going to prosper. More in there. His animals. His his well, is going to increase there. But there's a problem. That's Sodom and Gomorrah. And the Bible says, Abraham settled in the land of Canaan, while Lot settled among the cities of the valley and moved his tent as far as Sodom. Now the, the men of Sodom were wicked, great sinners against the Lord. So he wants to increase his wealth. He's already wealthy. He wants to increase his wealth. He's looking up with his eyes that going to that land is going to increase his wealth. He's trusting the wrong riches. He's trusting to the wrong wealth. We know what happened to Sodom and Gomorrah. It was destroyed. Another example, we had Simon the magician. In the book of Acts, we had this, this person who he is already a magician. He's, he already has a crowd. But the apostles come. They perform miracles. And, and he's impressed. And he's like, I want that power too. And you guess it. What does he do? How he wants to get that power, he offers Peter. He, Simon the magician offers to Peter money. Acts chapter 8, verses 18 to 20. Now when Simon saw that the Spirit was given through the laying of the apostles' hand, he offered them money, saying, Give me this power also, so that anyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter said to them, May your silver perish with you, because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. And like I said, there's many, many stories and examples. Joseph was sold by his own brothers for 20 pieces of silver. Our Lord was sold by Judas for 30 pieces of silver. The Bible has many, many warnings about wealth and riches, the danger of them. And we can go to the stream and be so radical and say, oh, don't even touch money because... Ooh, it's danger. We know that the problem is not with money, the problem is with your heart, the love of money. So far, we've been looking at the Rome, the Rome type of riches, the Rome trusting the riches. But Colossians chapter 2, the Apostle Paul describes the true riches, the ones that are worth your work. Your suffering, the, the, the riches that are worth living, those are the riches and understanding and knowledge of Christ. That is worth working and suffering, knowing Christ. Paul writes from prison, and he's writing to, to a church, that they're not in prison. They're free. And, and to the eyes of that church, Paul may be like, poor Paul. He's in, he's in prison. Poor Paul. But Paul says, no. Not for me. I'm rich. And not of wealth and money, but I'm rich because the revelation of Christ has been revealed to me. Because Christ saved me. And that makes Paul a rich person, not based on his will. And that's what the Apostle Paul wants them to do. The Apostle Paul wants them to trust in Christ and not anything else. Not their works, not their riches, not their knowledge, their philosophy, not their uh, their strength, but to trust Christ and him alone. Now, At the same time, we don't want to just say, you're rich, you're gone. No, because Abraham was wealthy. And Abraham, we don't see that he had problems with wealth. He had other type of problems. But we don't see him having problems with wealth. He even says, I don't want that money because you're going to think I am rich because of that money. When he was offered some money for rescuing Lot. So he didn't have a problem with will. Like I said, the problem is in our heart. Uh, Joseph was also very wealthy. Joseph, the second in command in Egypt. He was very wealthy, but he was not trusting his will, he was trusting God. It didn't matter if he was in the in 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 uh in second in command or in prison. But he was trusting God, so now you may say, well how you, how Sam, you came to the conclusion that they 're not trusting Christ and that they 're trusting in their're well, and that the reason Paul is mentioning riches and and treasures is because they 're trusting in their and their wealth and their riches. How you come to that conclusion and the answer is because of one one word. Just one word. And that war is La Odisha. La Odisha. La Odisha is a place. There's a group of people there who Paul includes them as recipients of this letter. See, La Odisha is mentioned in the book of Colossians five times. This is the first time the Apostle Paul mentions Laodicea, but in the, in chapter four he mentions Laodicea four times. So when I'm preparing this sermon, I had to think and say, is it important? Do I need to mention? Is it important for us to uh, dig and 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 go deeper about Laodicea? And the more you study and read and Look at Laodicea, you find out that, oh, now it makes sense why he says riches, treasures. Why he's mentioning that that's the true riches. Because Laodicea is very rich. The people from Laodicea, they're very wealthy. See, when I was doing the research about Laodicea, about, about this place, every single commentary or description or narrative or the history, they mentioned one event. And the event is that in Laodicea, there was an earthquake. And this earthquake affected many, many regions, many, many cities. And the Roman emperor sent financial aid to all the regions. But guess what? Laodicea said, no, we will rebuild we're rich we're wealth, wealthy and we will rebuild ourselves so Laodicea says we don't need your money we're going to rebuild ourselves and, st- and history says that they did they were very wealthy and they rebuilt their city without the financial help of the empire the roman empire so that gives you a description of what type of uh, city and people Laodicea was. But you may say, well, that was just the nation, but the church must be different. The church, I don't think they were like that, trusting in their riches and wealth. But it's sad to say that Revelation chapter 3 gives us more information about Laodicea. If you turn there, if you know Revelation It's a letter to seven churches. This is the last church that uh, the Lord is giving a message to. The message to to the church of Laodicea. Revelations chapter 3, verse 14. To the angel of the church in Laodicea. Right? The amen, the faithful and true witness. The origin of the creation of God says this. So, we know what this, the history, the, the, not the Bible, but just the history says about them, that they're rich, proud, wealthy, they don't want no help. Now I'm going to read what the Bible says about them. Verse 15, Revelation chapter 3:15. I know your deeds, that you are neither called nor hot. I wish that you were called or had. So, because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say, I'm rich and I have become wealthy and I have no need of anything. And you do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. These are some of the most harsh words that you can find in the Bible. They think they're rich. They think they're wealthy. But the Lord says, you are wretched. You're miserable, poor, blind, blind, and naked. See, what we have in Colossians chapter 2, Paul talking to who? To the Colossians and to who? For those at Laodicea, Laodicea, he's writing to them too, and he's saying, the true riches, the true treasures are in Christ." This letter of the Colossians was written approximately 30 years before Revelation. And you get to Revelation, and Paul already gave a message to this church, but we get to Revelation, and this church has not here, Paul. They continue, and maybe even got worse, and they continue trusting in their riches, and they're well. And in Revelation 3. We have not kind words. Not compassionate words. Not nice words. But we have the Lord himself. Describing them. With harsh words and saying. You are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, And naked. See what we have in Colossians chapter 2. Is a nice warning. It's a compassionate warning. Chain. But they did not chain. Paul says, look at me. Look how much I suffer. Look how much I'm poor. According to the word, I'm in prison. I have nothing, but in reality, I'm rich. That's true rich. That's true well. But they, they didn't hear his kind words. They didn't, they didn't obey those kind words. And we get to Revelation many years later. The message is not nice. It's not kind. The message is, verse 18, I advise you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may become rich in white garments so that you may clothe yourself and the shame of your nakedness will not be revealed. And I say to apply to your eyes so that you may see those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. Therefore, be zealous and repent even though God is not giving them nice and comforting words he's still being merciful he still says repent he still says there's still hope repent and I'll clean you and that's the message for that's the message for each of us here that's the message that the apostle gives to the colossians and to the church on laodicea the message is, the Lord is kind. The Lord is good. He loves you even when you don't deserve it. He is merciful. But if you don't change, he loves you enough to discipline you. He, no- he loves you enough that he's going to warn you and say, repent. And you must repent. Today, if you hear and you don't know the Lord, please hear my voice. Repent. Repent and believe in Him. Stop trusting your own strength. Stop trusting your will. Stop trusting your own uh, whatever it is. And trust in Christ. Now you may say, well, this message is not for me because this message is for the rich. He's talking to the rich, to the people who have money. And I'm poor and I don't have money, so he's not talking about me. You know, I'm not rich. And preparing this sermon is surely for me. Preparing this sermon, I'm not rich. But I need to trust the Lord. I need to trust the Lord and not put in my trust and things that are not worth. See, what gives you peace? What gives you uh Peace of mind is thinking, oh, I have enough money in my bank account, I'm okay. Or is, if I have this much money, I'm going to be okay. But what it should give you peace is, don't matter how much I have, don't matter if I'm going to continue having that much, or if I would never have that much, it don't matter. Because... My peace is now based on the riches of this world. My peace is firm in Christ. And he does not change. And he does love me. See, in the the history of Israel and God, God tells them, I love you. He tells them, I love you. And they answer, how have you loved us? the last book of the Old Testament. God says, I love you, Malachi. He said, I love you. And the people of Israel say, how have you loved us? And the answer, brothers and sisters, is he gave his son. He gave his son to die for sinners. And again, if you're here, and if you don't know the Lord, please, please listen Listen, that He died for you, even though you didn't deserve it. Repent and believe in Him. If you are here and you already receive the goodness of God, you already received salvation, if you're already walking with the Lord, the message for you is, trust in Him. You, you see the book of Colossians, in the first chapter, the Apostle Paul says, Remember that you heard the gospel, and he re- returns to the gospel. So if you're a Christian here today, remember that salvation came through hearing the gospel and you trusting in Christ. So don't stop trusting in Christ. Because that's what these false prophets and Colossians are doing. They're, they're Christians. They're, they're faithful Christians. And they're telling, telling them, yes, Christ, yes, that's fine. You can believe in Christ. But that's not sufficient. You need more. Christ plus. And Paul says, no. Christ is enough. So for you, my brother and sister that are here, that you once trust in Christ, please don't stop trusting in Christ. Keep trusting in Him. And it don't matter how, how bad it gets. It don't matter how ugly it gets. It don't matter what happens in the news or what happens tomorrow. It don't matter if your style of life will continue the same way it continues now. It may change later. For like so many people chain in Ukraine that one day they have a roof and the next day they don't. And We pray and hope that that never happens here. But even if it it did happen here, I want you to, brothers and sisters, to be so firm in Christ that you can say, just like the people in Ukraine and other places that are suffering, Christ is sufficient. Christ is enough, even if I don't have a roof over my head. Christ is enough, even if if my style of life changed. Christ is enough, even if I'm not okay like Paul is in prison, and he says, I, I count all that I lost as rubbish and garbage. That is my my desire for you, bro- brothers and sisters, that even if you lose, even if it, things get bad, real bad, that you have security in the Lord and said, I'm okay. I'm okay because he saved me. He gave me a new life. And there's a Hope that we have, that hope that one day everything is going to be fixed. We're not home yet, brothers and sisters. We'll we'll be there, but it's not now. But until we get there, you should have hope that God himself, God himself take care of you and me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, you you left this record of Colossians, you left the record of Revelation, you left this holy book for for our good, so we can know you and so we can learn your character, who you are, what pleases you and what displeases you. I help you, Lord. I, I, I pray, Lord, that you help us really believe that Christ is enough. Not just say it as a cliche, not just say it as a, because it sounds good or because that's the correct thing to say, but, Lord, that, that we really believe that. That Christ is enough, even if we, if we lose everything else. Like the Apostle Paul said, everything I lost, I counted it as rubbish. We want to be honest, Lord, and, and say that maybe we're not ready or prepared to say those words of Paul and say, I counted it as rubbish. Whatever it is, if I lose, because compared to Christ, Christ has a much greater value. Help us, Lord, that we can we can get closer to that set of mind, to that reality that we can truly believe and really have true riches, Lord. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.